You're listening to Manifest with Sarah Prout, and that's exactly what we're going to do together. I'm a best-selling author and a manifestation and law of attraction expert. I've been teaching manifestation now for well over a decade, and I've inspired millions of people all over the world on topics and themes such as emotional empowerment, intuitive wisdom, and heart-based healing. So each week, I'll deliver you a brand new dose of inspiration and motivation to remind you that you have the power to create your own reality. Let's connect with the universe, activate the law of attraction, and manifest your dreams. Thank you so much for being here with me right now. Let's get started. Hello there and welcome to today's episode, which (laughs) comes with a little bit of a warning. The themes that I'm going to be discussing today in the show are a little bit scary. So if you do have little kids around or you're listening to this on a drive somewhere and you've got little ears that might hear this stuff, it's probably best that you save this one for another day, okay? Because it has supernatural themes and this is something that I don't often talk about. In fact, I never thought that I would talk about this and speak about this topic publicly. So as the title of this episode suggests, I grew up in a haunted house. Now, two things, two elements need to be considered with this topic and this theme. I believe, to the best of my own ability, that I was of sound mind growing up, and I know that the experiences of my family members can confer that they also experienced supernatural paranormal experiences in this house. But today I want to focus on my own perspective and the stories that I experienced because I can't speak on behalf of my family, of course, and I hope they don't mind me sharing this because it is a very personal thing that we went through as a family. And I I mean, only my very close friends know some of these stories (laughs) and it is absolutely wild to think that this happened to me when I was younger And I feel the necessity to share it because it really gives you a backstory of how I developed such an interest in mysticism, in metaphysics, in manifestation, because there is a much bigger picture going on than than we could possibly imagine, right? And throughout history, there have been ghost stories or stories of beyond the grave or apparitions or messages from the other side. There's a lot of uh, different mediums out there and people that speak on this topic. I know that there's, you know, shows like Ghost Hunters on Netflix and a lot of interest around this specific theme. With that being said, yes, it's a novelty to speak about this thing, but I don't take it lightly. I internally invoke a circle of protection, you know, because you never know um, how these energies can, can manifest, right? So I am sharing this with you guys more as like a storytelling entertainment factor. But with that being said, a measure of seriousness, because some people uh, don't realize the power that they have to attract into their reality these different energies. And so when you protect yourself, when you have a spiritual practice, the more you meditate, for instance, the more this stuff will just leave you alone. It was at least 15 or 16 years since I had any kind of supernatural experience. As a child, though, it happened probably 
wow, my, some of my earliest memories were being two years old and having conversations with my imaginary friends. One was called Parap and the other one was called Meedy. And I remember that I would talk to these spirits and be aware that they were energy <laughs> when my parents would put me to bed at night in my crib so that this is how far back I can remember. So I, I was born in New Zealand, spent the first five years of my life in New Zealand, and then we moved to Australia. And my dad is an artist. He's a pretty famous watercolorist, actually. And um, my mom, she is a children's book illustrator, a musician, a psychic. And so that's part of the reason why I definitely developed an interest in manifestation. And when we moved from New Zealand to Australia, we lived a very affluent life. And then, and I'm sure my dad wouldn't mind me sharing this as part of the story, he signed a bad business deal and ended up losing all of his wealth. And we had to move out of the city to uh, the Mornington Peninsula, which is this beautiful place in Australia, in the state of Victoria. I won't tell you exactly where it is. <laughs> and he was fortunate enough to manifest an agreement where he would take care of the 10-acre farm uh, in exchange for us living rent-free because he had so much debt to pay off and it was the, the fastest and smartest way that he could do that. I mean, for him being an artist, being able to utilize this gallery and studio space that was separate from this house on this 10-acre property, it was like the ultimate manifestation. And um, he worked so hard to pay off that debt and did that through selling paintings because remember, art's a luxury. So I grew up with these very highly intuitive, spiritually, spiritually plugged in parents <laughs> that went through a lot of, of tough times financially. And so there was naturally a lot of arguments around that in the house. And so we moved there in, oh, I've got my notes here, 1988. So I was about eight years old. And I, I can't remember the first time that the the strange things happened in this home, right? So it was this story, The Haunted House, really ranges from like 1988 to 1999, which is when my dad moved out. Um, it was a beautiful place to grow up, 10 acres of land. I had horses, we had fruit trees, right? I would do my reading homework by climbing up into an apple tree and just picking an apple off the tree if I was hungry. And this was such a glorious, amazing way to be raised with that amount of land and space and fresh organic food. But my parents worked themselves you know, almost virtually into the ground because of the stress and because my dad, you know, he loved painting so much. But in the 80s, I believe there was a recession in Australia. And so with that came some very difficult times. And I remember in 1991, my dad got really sick. Uh, he had a twist in his intestine, in his lower intestine. And he went down to, I think it was 45 kilograms Hang on, let me just pause this so I can get the what that converts to into pounds. Okay, so for my American friends, that's like just under 100 pounds. And my dad's pretty tall. He's like just under six feet. So that was painfully thin. And my mother didn't drive. And so we were like an hour and a half away from the hospital. And we were told that my dad was going to die and to prepare for the worst. So it was 
it was such a confronting time. And I was probably 11 or 12, I think, when this happened. But it was when, after my dad got back from the hospital and they managed to uh, straighten out the twist in his, in his guts, <laughs> he started getting better. And then this is when I remember that some of the, the psychic disturbances began to happen. Uh, so as I mentioned, this beautiful 10-acre property had a studio and a gallery. And then there was like this short little walk between the house. And there was an intercom between the studio and the house. So we could use the buzzer if we had to tell dad that dinner was ready and he would be straight over. So it was almost like a, a unique walkie-talkie system. And this buzzer used to go all the time for no specific reason. And this is when we're like, uh, what's going on here? Like we started to sense that something was not right about the house. Uh, my parents, they used to argue about money a lot. And we had a grandfather clock that was in my mother's family for over 200 years. It never worked. It was just more for decorative purposes. But what we noticed is that the hands of the clock, and this was after a while, we noticed that the hands of the clock would be moved to almost the exact time that my parents would have an argument. Now, yes, I'm, I'm talking about physical things moving. So you might be going, oh, Sarah, she's lost it. Or she's, this, this didn't happen. I can promise you that this stuff did happen. Now, as I mentioned, these are not some of these stories that you're hearing um, from my perspective, not from my family. I grew up with a mum, a dad and a little sister who is three years and nine months younger than me. And then I met my two older half brothers in the later 90s. So I'll, I'll share some of their perspectives of what happened um, from my from my perspective, not from theirs, but I'll share some of you know the reasons why they were a little bit cautious about what happened, especially in the, the later stages before we were almost forced to move out of the home because the energy intensified. Now, I don't know the reasons why this happened. I mean, some people could say it's poltergeist energy or that it was like on some kind of a, a site, like the land was, um, I don't want to use the word cursed because I don't believe it was cursed. I believed it was uh, activated in some way or charged, if you will. So, like I said, one of my earliest memories was like the intercom buzzing and then the clock hands moving. <laughs> and that, that was weird in, in and of itself. And then I remember um, there was one time where my mom and I were sitting in the living room and we heard this giant crash from the kitchen from in the pantry. And it sounded like probably 30 or so glasses smashing. And we had cups on the hooks in the pantry and my mum was like oh my gosh the the shelf has collapsed and the crystal's gone everywhere it sounded like a giant smash there was no external noise that was the only place it could be and the only thing that it was and so mum and I went into the pantry to to see the glass that had probably smashed all over the floor and in the pantry there were the glasses on the slate floor so slate is a very hard, hard texture. Um, and the glass, the cup was swinging on the hook back and forth. Like it had had some kind of um, earthquake or something like that. And we didn't get earthquakes there. I mean, this was in country Victoria. And I remember my mom and I going, what just happened? What did we hear? Why is this cup swinging? And so that was one of the, the paranormal experiences, um, Oh my gosh, I feel a little bit emotional sharing this. 
I remember when I was about 14 or 15, I woke up and there was a woman who looked like she was about eight feet tall standing next to my bed looking out of the window. And I remember screaming and my parents just ran into my bedroom and I said, oh, I saw a lady, I saw a lady. And I remember that they're like, okay, well, you can come and sleep on the floor in in our room. And I did that periodically. Like every time there was a disturbance, I would sleep in my parents' bedroom, which is weird. Like to be 15 years old and to to have those kind of experiences. Uh, So that was the crystal glasses in the pantry. That was weird. I mean, some of these had no rhyme or reason. There was no history behind the house or anything like that. Um, I remember one day we had this Singer sewing machine. I don't know whether you've ever heard of that brand before. Uh, my dad was the person that did the sewing in the family. He would sew the hemlines on our school dresses. And I remember um, needing the sewing machine in my bedroom for a school project and having the sewing machine on the floor and I hadn't put it up on the desk yet and it was unplugged and it started working. It started sewing on the floor in my bedroom without having any electrical current going through it. And I freaked out and I ran to my mom and I'm like, mom, the sewing machine's, you know, going by itself. And my mom said that it happened a few weeks earlier because she had the sewing machine in the living room and it started going, it wasn't plugged in. And she said to my dad, oh, that looks a bit weird, Tony, you know, what's going on here? And then apparently the chair lifted up and pushed back. So there was some kind of force in this house, right? It was pretty scary. Just, I mean, here's the thing though. I mean, my parents traveled around England and Ireland and Wales, and they had so many of these kind of esoteric supernatural experiences. They're just like, go away that, you know, draw the boundary, set that boundary between me. But I was scared. I was scared about what was going to happen because it just, it seemed to intensify. And then there were other times that I knew had absolutely nothing to do with the house, but the house was like some kind of a portal, a supernatural portal. I was 15. I remember this so clearly. And it was a beautiful sunny afternoon and I put on some pasta. I, I boiled the water, put it on the stove, and I thought, you know what, I'm going to go and pick out, pick some daisies from the shrub around the side of the house because, you know, my mom loves it to have a floral arrangement in the kitchen. And I thought, oh, that'd be a nice thing to do. My dad was out mowing the lawn and my mum was sitting around the side just having a cup of tea. And so as I waited for my my water to boil, I went around to the side and I was picking the daisies. And I heard this voice so close to my head. I mean, consider there's nobody around. I don't know where my sister was, but this wasn't my sister's voice. There was nobody around and in like close to my ear, I heard the words, hello, Sarah. And it was a familiar voice, one that I didn't recognize. Hello, Sarah. And it was like, oh, that, that's beautiful. And I, again, I ran to my mom and I'm like, mom, I just heard a voice. And the, the water was boiling over on the stove. And my dad had stopped the lawnmower and they were talking. And my dad said to me, I just heard a voice in my ear say, hello, Tony. And he thinks that it was his mother who had died many, many years before, my grandmother who died when I was five. So I didn't recognize her voice. But at the exact same time that I'm picking daisies from a bush around one side of the house, my dad's on the other side of the house mowing the lawn. 
and feels freaked out because he hears the voice of his mother when he's mowing the lawn right in his ear. And there was this, it was a windy day too, I remember that. My mum calls it equinoctial wind. (laughs) So it was the change of seasons. But that was like, to me, uh, what? what the, what's going on? And so as a kid, when you're forming your beliefs about the world and how it works and these kind of things are happening, you know, my dad getting sick, my parents arguing about money, the piano playing by itself, seeing apparitions or spirits and other family members saw these kind of things as well. I can't tell their stories, but they saw things. And so what else have I got down here? Um, when it came time to meet my half-brother, um, I'd never met him before, so it was amazing to reconnect with my half-brother. He came down to the Mornington Peninsula to stay because my parents uh, split at one point. We we tried living in an apartment and just going back to the house on weekends. I refused to go back on weekends because it was just too scary. So (laughs) my mom took my sister and I to live in an apartment. We changed schools and my dad had to stay there on his own. They said it was like a trial separation, but I knew that my mom couldn't handle the energy in the house anymore. And so um, when my brother came to visit and we went to stay at the big house, he had experiences and ended up sleeping on my parents' floor. Now, I was I was probably 17 at that point and he was in his 20s. <laughs> so you could imagine what that would be like for somebody that was quite skeptical to then have those Uh, to hear the stories from us, of course, because we didn't not tell somebody that was staying there that things could happen or things could move or, you know, it it was a weird house to grow up in. A beautiful house too at the same time with the gallery and the the different customers that would come in and collect my dad's artwork and, you know, just the different characters that would be attracted to that energy. And so when – My dad finally left that house. It felt like closing that chapter behind us. And that was in 1999. I remember the last time that I went there, uh, I was, I stayed there with my boyfriend who I dated from like 17 to 19 and nothing happened in the house. (laughs) He he was such a a non-believer about that kind of stuff. I feel like his energy just canceled out any possibility of weird kind of occurrences manifesting. But what I love about that experience, and, and I'm just thinking of this now as I'm speaking these words, is that it allowed me to give myself a higher standard for the energy that I would tolerate in my life. And yes, you know that I went through a very difficult time in my first marriage of uh, domestic violence for 10 years. But what I will say is that during that time, I started meditating as a way to cope with what was happening emotionally. And that meditation practice raised my vibration, raised my frequency so that that kind of thing didn't happen again. And then it wasn't until 2013 that I moved to what I would call another haunted house, another portal, if you will. And I mean, I've spoken about this before on different podcasts, but just rewinding a little bit, when I was married to my first husband, I had a dream 
that I lived in this house that was on the hill in a suburb called Ivanhoe in Melbourne. Had big gates and I mean it was one of the biggest most prestigious homes in Ivanhoe and I remember having a dream that I lived there and I remember telling my husband that the next day saying hey I, I remember having a dream that I lived there and he kind of like dismissed it and he's like oh you'd have to be a millionaire there you'd have to earn a lot of money to live there. And I'm like, yeah, probably. But I knew what it was like inside that house. I knew the wallpaper. I knew like the 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 gold taps or faucets for my American friends. I knew the tiling. I knew the layout of the room. And I'd never set foot in that house or seen any pictures of what it looked like on the inside. Fast forward nearly eight years later, and I was with Sean, my soulmate husband, and uh, we were living at a property in, I think it was East Ivanhoe, and I saw that property come up for lease. It was about, it was $1,000 a week. So it was a stretch for us back then. I mean, that's a lot of money to pay for rent per week, right? And I knew that we had to apply for it. What I didn't know is that in that house was where I would have five miscarriages in a row. That we would nearly go broke, lose our business. Our car would continuously break down. And we would see really weird apparitions throughout the house. So it was very similar to the house that I grew up in, in so many different ways. Um, Sean will tell you from his own perspective that he's a skeptic. He doesn't believe in this kind of stuff. And this is where he started to believe in the supernatural and in things appearing. For instance, uh, actually, I'm not going to talk about that now. <laughs> there, there are things that I, I do have to keep private. Um, because they're not my stories to tell, but we did see the same thing at the same time. And I would wake up in the middle of the night and Sean would say, can you see that? What are you seeing? And so that was verification for him of what we were experiencing at that time. I would wake up in the middle of the night and feel like I wanted to jump off the balcony or I would feel like um, that there was one day in particular, I remember it was raining and I slipped on the stairs down the front and hit the back of my head. I felt like that house was trying to... It, it had a purpose because anything that you go through, whether it's an unpleasant physical, you know, bricks and mortar experience that can be explained versus one that can't be explained, it's still unpleasant. It's still traumatic. Whatever you experience gets you to a point of power. You go through it because you're strengthening your intuition. You are strengthening your connection to the universe. So it was during this time that I believe I wasn't standing guard at the doorway of my energy field because I was so depleted miscarriage after miscarriage after miscarriage I didn't have the strength that I needed to you know it was a, a lower energy I and I didn't realize it I mean this is what's so weird about growing up in a haunted house having you know a psychic for a mother <laughs> um, and those kind of things and I don't know what the reason was now I was raised as a Christian in the Christian faith. I was um, christened or baptized. I you know, would sing hymns at school. I would read the Bible. I would say my prayers at night. <laughs> you know, that is how I grew up. But then there was like this offshoot of esoteric knowledge and wisdom, almost like, um, uh, how do I put this? There were, there were always books around about, uh, new thought for instance because I grew up with the game of life and how to play it which I've referenced so much on this show on the bookshelf and that taught me how our emotions and our thoughts create our reality so there was this always like this hybrid <laughs> of different 
um, pieces of wisdom from Eastern tradition and Western tradition. It's no coincidence that I'm now studying a doctorate in metaphysical science because I want to be able to deepen my knowledge of the etheric realm of the more mystical coincidences and, well, not coincidences, synchronicities that unfold in life. And so going back to the, the house that Sean and I lived in from 2013 to 2014, we knew that we needed to interrupt our own energy pattern to leave in order to heal from the five miscarriages. And so we moved up to the beach, up to Noosa, uh, and we had this glorious house that didn't have a in good internet connection. But within, I think it was three or four weeks of arriving in the new house, I got pregnant with Lulu and that baby decided to stick around. So there's definitely something to be said about different sacred energy points in the world, right? There's different portals, I believe anyway, that have different signature energy patterns. This is a fascinating topic and probably one that I could speak about for hours upon hours upon hours. So for instance, Sedona is one of my most favorite places. There is such a beautiful energy there. Uh, it is often referred to as the, the heart chakra of the earth. In fact, I'm going to Sedona in a few days and I can't wait to record some new meditations there and recalibrate my energy. Because here's the thing, energy needs maintenance. You can't just allow life to happen to you. You actually have to be an active participant in the energy that is happening for you, right? So if you have ever experienced any kind of psychic disturbance, it may have absolutely nothing to do with you, but it's showing up in your reality for a reason. Now, my teenage mind couldn't wrap my head around the reason why um, the, re the reason why the psychic disturbances were happening on the Mornington Peninsula. My even in my 30s, my mind couldn't understand why this house, this big house that Sean and I rented in Ivanhoe was haunted like it was a portal <laughs> but when we when we thought about it it was like a convergence point there were hospitals around there was a cemetery not so far you know I think it was like a, a convalescence home for pe people that were uh, recovering from injuries from I think the second world war it was a weird house it's no longer there they've bulldozed it and now there's like a whole bunch of apartments on there now which is so interesting to think that you know that has now transmuted into a different experience for other people. But there are signature energy patterns on the earth, on the land. Like the vibes don't lie, right? There's no arguing that there is something bigger than us going on in this, this universe, right? No one knows what happens to us when we die. Um, but we do know that we are energy, we are infinite beings and that we can transcend into love, into oneness, into the highest frequency of all that is. Some people call that heaven. Some people call that uh, enlightenment, whatever that means to you. I mean, this is the beauty of being human. You get to define it on your own terms. But you, what you must keep in mind is that fear will not win. Fear will never win. Love is the way forward. And you get to always choose love in each and every moment. So when you hear me talk about paranormal experiences, and these are just some of the dozens upon dozens of things that have happened to me over my life, over the course of my life, uh, maybe I'll share some more about these another time. Let me know if you'd like to hear some of them. Um, but I've always had a really deep connection 
to the non-physical and some of the energies that have been going on. And as an empath, and I know so many of you that listen to this show are deeply empathetic and you have a curiosity for the supernatural, uh, it's important to, to hold that awareness that there are practices that you can do to protect your energy, whether it's visualizing yourself in a protective golden light or rose quartz light or uh, having selenite, the crystal, to help protect you or praying to Jesus if that's what helps to really protect yourself from negative influences, whether they're physical or non-physical, whether it's somebody's constant negativity at the office or whether it is, um, you know, your partner is on a negative tangent or um, something keeps happening and you're not sure why. So, you know, like uh, the battery of your car keeps on getting drained. There are messages and signs from the universe that you must pay attention to. This is how you strengthen your intuitive faculties. So I hope you enjoyed this show today. If you believe that it is entertaining or you learned something today or it is really helpful on your spirituality journey, please share it with a friend or leave me a review um, I always love to see the screenshots that you guys send me of which show resonates with you the most. This is how I know of how to perhaps tell you more outlandish, crazy stories <laughs> or keep it more streamlined, of positive mot- motivation on your journey. Today was a little bit unconventional and I do feel a little bit vulnerable for sharing this today, but I'm so grateful to have this time with you to share that that. Um, some of those ways, the the origin story of how I got to the more mystical layers of existence through some pretty unconventional lessons that I haven't shared with many people. And I would like to think that, you know, I am, uh, how do I put this? I'm not nuts. <laughs> I want you to know that, you know, because someone could hear those stories and go, you know, that Sarah Prout lady, she, she's, you know, not playing with a full deck. <laughs> But rest assured, I promise you that I am. I promise you that those are my unique experiences, which is why I didn't tell them from the vantage point of the many different esoteric paranormal experiences that both of my parents had and my little sister and my brothers. (laughs) Anyway, lots of love. Thank you so much for being here with me today. Remember, you have the power to guide your energy and guide your emotions. I love you. Thank you for being here and I can't wait to connect with you again very soon. Bye for now.